Hi, and welcome to Conscious Sexuality, the podcast. My name is Jasmine, and I am passionate about empowering women to awaken and reclaim their feminine through various ways and practices. For years, women have been shamed for their sexuality, and I want to share how you can find freedom. I believe a new opportunity awaits those who seek the depths, and as we bring that which hasn't been conscious into the light, freedom is found. This podcast is not just about sexuality, it is an all-encompassing podcast to shine the light into the shadows and explore whatever your heart desires. We will discuss ideas and concepts that will help you find freedom and step into being your most authentic self. The conversation might refer to male or female terms, but it's important for me to let you know that this podcast is affirming of everyone and however they identify. You have a space here. It is also really important to me that I acknowledge the traditional owners of the country, the Pambalong clan of the Awabakal people, and recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Enjoy listening. Hi, and welcome to the very, very first episode on my new podcast, Conscious Sexuality, the podcast. Today's episode is actually going to be me. I'm your guest, but I have brought on a special guest to interview me to help you to get to know me a bit better and why I'm here in this space. And this person is none other than my husband, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Um, anyway, so it's taken us a while to press record because this feels a little weird, but that's okay. Um, so Dan's just going to ask me questions and I'll answer them to the best of my ability and we'll have a chat. And then we'll grade you at the end and see what your score is out of 10. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, so let's uh, get into it. Well, just before we get started learning about you, everyone needs to know this is my first podcast and I'm the person running the show, so please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of grace. Yeah. But we will make sure that he becomes a frequent guest on the podcast, so he'll get more comfortable as time goes on. I didn't say I'm uncomfortable, I just said I may not be very good at it, that's That's, all. That's okay. (laughs) So when I was thinking about how to do this, I thought it would be interesting to discuss sort of two parts in this podcast. One would be, or the first part would be the story of what has happened up to this point. And then the second part would be where to from here sort of thing or what's to come next. And um, I guess, I guess, I already know you very well, so the point of this is not for me to get to know you better, it's for the people listening to get to know you better. So um, I guess the the best place to start is always right back at the very beginning. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think the beginning... Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Well, once upon a time. (laughs) Look, for me, when I reflect on this journey that I've been on, There is a certain beginning point, uh, which was for me really only a couple of years ago, which kickstarted me onto the path that I am on today. Um, However, that path has then revealed a lot of things, which I then look further back into my journey, like growing Mm. up, childhood and things like that, which I can see have played a huge part um, into my story. So I feel like there's a lot of things that are intertwined, but Really, this all began when we got married, Yeah, which is nearly eight years ago now. And uh, we, well, both grew up in Christian environments where sex before marriage was not encouraged. And so uh, when we got married, we had never had sex before with anybody else. Um, and Or each other. Or each other. Good clarification. And we discovered that um, it was impossible for us to have penetrative sex. And being that I was 
a very young, naive person. How old were we? Well, the reason it was impossible was because it caused you a lot of pain. Yeah, correct. It did. It caused me a lot of pain. Um, And how old was I? How old were we? 21? 21. Yeah, 21. So we were young babies who had never experienced the world, really. And so because of the upbringing that I had in that I had experienced a version of purity culture and I hadn't never really been taught how to express my sexuality. In fact, it was the opposite. It was often that that's not something that you look at until you're in a marital marriage relationship, however you want to call it. And so for me, I felt a lot of shame when I experienced this and so I I didn't know what to do about it and we just didn't, we sort of kept trying for a bit. There was definitely times where we were like, well, maybe it was something else or whatever, but the problem just didn't go away. The painfulness didn't go away Mm. and in the end I didn't know what to do. And I didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody. Neither of us knew. Neither of us knew what to do. We didn't feel that we had a safe space to broach the topic with anyone. And I didn't... We also didn't know what or why it was... We didn't know what was happening or why it was happening. We didn't know that it was a... It was a... um, like a medical thing, we didn't know, we just, we had absolutely zero clue, did we? Yeah, we had absolutely zero clue, and so we just kind of pushed it under the rug, really. Um, it we was... did it, we did a, a, a bizarrely good job of ignoring it, didn't we? Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> like, we were still happily married. Yeah. Um, yeah, very happily, like we, not fake happy, like genuinely very we genuinely happily were, married. We were happily married and we were living a good life. Like, like yeah. yeah, I don't, occasionally, occasionally it would bubble up. Of course. Um, and we would be, yeah, there was, there was I'm not going to say it was perfect. There was definitely tension, wasn't there? Look, at, I credit, I credit a lot of that to the fact that we were really good friends before we started our romantic yeah. relationship. And so I think that's what really held us through is the fact that we were just really good friends. And I, so we'll talk more about the, the, like the purity culture and the effect of all yeah. of that later. But ironically, the, one of the things that Jazz has had to go through the most healing for and, and growth through has been that purity culture side of things. But it was also what led us to that point of being such good friends, you know, we feel like, yeah. like, because we didn't add in that element of sex or um, to our relationship until after we were such good friends already. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. That definitely helped us spend all of that time together while struggling with yeah. this issue without it um, coming between us and driving yeah, us apart yeah, further. But, if anything, yeah, it, yeah, it, we just managed to without it tearing us apart. Yeah, yeah. and the other positive thing that I see to this is back onto both of us having a very poor sex education and very limited knowledge on what sexual activity actually is. It gave us the opportunity to explore other ways to be intimate rather than just actually what was told to us, which was intercourse. Whereas we've... And the more we learnt there in terms of other ways to be intimate, the more we learnt, the the less we attempted penetrative sex because exactly. it sort of was like, okay, let's just ignore that one part and focus on all this other stuff. And, yeah, it was um, – that was definitely a big reason as well why, it was, mm. why we were able to get through for sure. That's right. Exactly. Mm. And so that – we spent the – that was the first six years of our marriage, basically. That's what our – no, six. Oh. My memory is six. <laughs> Could be wrong. Five or six. Five to six years of our marriage was that, around around that. And then we were travelling um, on a holiday in New Zealand and we had downloaded many, many, many podcasts to listen to while we were on the trip. 
And one of those podcasts was Morgan and Ron uh, Cecil's Sexy Tuxedo Jesus podcast. And I can't quite remember what was being discussed, but I remember Morgan discussing... Yeah, I can't remember either what the yeah. general topic of that podcast entire was. podcast yeah. episode was, but there was just like one sentence in there that I can very vividly remember. Yeah, and, and Morgan had described um, a version of painful sex and then she called it vaginismus. And I was like, that sounds like what I've been experiencing. Yeah. And I was like... Was sort of like one of those both looked across the yeah. and at each other like... We need to look into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the catch was we were in the middle of the New Zealand countryside with no Wi-Fi, and I was like, "Get me to a McDonald's! I need to Google this." <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember where that, where we were when that happened? On a hillside. It was that dirt road, and the the spare wheel oh. fell off the front of the camper van. <laughs> it was very memorable. <laughs> um, so that's what that was in two thousand and seventeen. I believe. And that's really what then kick-started. I, I don't know why I was all of a sudden in a headspace to tackle it. I just heard what I, was discussed. I, I personally think it's because we got to the McDonald's, we did a bit of research, and we had a name yeah. and an idea of what it was. So rather than it just being something that, like how do you even start to solve a problem like that when you've got no idea what the problem is or what, you know... So it's as soon true. as we got an, an idea or a name to, to think about, we're both very practical, very problem-solving type people. And so I think as soon as we – that, like, even any little tensions or frustrations yeah. or angst that there was then was just – I think it very quickly went out the window because we knew what it was and we were able to start researching things. And That's right. Yeah, and then – the next step for me was to then tell someone about it. And um, I had two women in my life at the time that I felt comfortable sharing that information with. Mm. And um, they had a really good response, which was, you need to go and see a doctor. Um, but that also freaked me out because uh, I'm not a fan of doctors. Um, Especially. And you'll hear why. <laughs> um and so it wasn't until the next year that I finally had summoned the courage to go and see a doctor and she then gave me the formal diagnosis of having vaginismus. Um, and it wasn't actually until I went and saw this doctor and she was trying to find out why I would have this condition, why I would have experienced it. And I had this memory surface that I had obviously pushed to the back of my mind and hadn't ever thought about. But when I was nine years old, I was at a pool and I slipped and fell into the pool where one leg was in the pool and the other leg stayed out. And what happened was, is I cut my perineum and that as a nine year old, I had to get rushed to the emergency room. No, I went to see the doctor, my doctor first, and he examined me. And then I had to go to the emergency room and I had another doctor examine me. And then I had to actually go and have surgery um, to get stitches to resolve what had happened. And that actually turned out to be an extremely traumatic process that I had pushed away and not thought about. But when I had that memory surface. I remember I was sitting in the doctor's office and all of a sudden I got very, very emotional about it um, because I was like, oh, this is probably why mm. I experienced this. And um, like my doctor confirmed it and just noticing that there was scar tissue there and things like that. And so then I went on the the journey of physically healing vaginismus. Um, but there is the psychological element that goes, mm. goes with that as well, um, which is the, uh, helping to retrain your brain to know that penetrative sex is not something that my body should be afraid of. Mm. And that's, that's really the start 
like I know it all started when we we said it all started when we got married, but that's really the start of the journey that you're on now. It is um, because it wasn't just the physical situation. Um, what's the word? Condition of vaginismus. It was also the psychological and emotional stuff that you had to work through as well on top of that. That's right. And then that's when I started peeling back multiple, multiple layers. I peeled back the layer of the memory of why I was feeling this Mm. way. And then I had memories of purity culture and those Christian environments that I was in that also had created layers. So essentially, essentially vaginismus, and I'm not a doctor, neither is Jazz, so both of our explanations are probably not as technically correct as some as some doctors oh, yeah. would say. They haven't described what vaginism yeah. no, actually but, is. No, but it ties <laughs> into what you're saying. So it's essentially where the um, muscles around... In your vagina. In your vagina contract... Um, involuntarily. Involuntarily, yeah. So your body is out of... It's not under the control of your... Um, conscious mind. Your conscious mind. Um, and it's... Yeah, so that... And that's where the pain comes from because when you... Um, go to have penetrative sex, you've obviously, you want things to be loose and smooth, smooth and enjoyable, unclenched. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's another word for it. Um, yeah, and so it, that's where, that's, so that's what vaginismus is. And that memory of that accident and the trauma of being in the hospital and, and having those, those people involved. So that then manifested itself as vaginismus when we were, married and trying to have penetrative sex. Yeah, um, and it's the it's the body's way of protecting me mm. as well. It's it's doing its job. It's saying, well, actually, last time something went down here, it actually really hurt you, so we're going to stop that from happening. Mm. And so it's a process of reframing and breaking mm. the cycle. And, and part of the process, you know, you like you said, you went to the doctor and, um, and you know, she confirmed the diagnosis sort of thing. But, like, even that was terrifying for you, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And it was terrifying because I had this fear of doctors and that all stemmed from my accident Mm. because I just, I guess I'd had my privacy invaded, but I didn't have any really control over it um, because it had to be done, you know. I was in a situation where I needed doctors to help me um, and I just had this, I'd just always had this sort of irrational fear of doctors. Mm. But even the, even the... Um, in um, even the investigations that they had to do, you know, they had mm. that was like not a the pain had created such a um, I guess I, I guess the pain had created a fear of any any yeah. sort of penetration Correct. down there. So even the doctor doing inspections and things like that yeah. was a point of trauma. I remember like we were trying to find a. A female. That was a big part of what your yep. friends did to support you, wasn't it? it? Was putting you in touch with a good doctor that, that could yep. help you through that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Because I really needed to make sure that I had a, a female doctor and one that would listen to me and be really gentle and quite calm in their approach. I didn't want a doctor that was very clinical and just like, well, that's that sort of matter of a fact attitude. You know, mm. I wanted someone who could be quite empathetic to my situation, um, and my doctor is that. I was very fortunate to find a doctor the first time who listened and acknowledged what I experienced. I know for others who have experienced painful sex and other versions of it, uh, their experience with doctors isn't necessarily always the most kind experience. Often they're told, well, just drink a glass of wine and relax a little bit more or something like that, which is just not helpful whatsoever. So um, I'm very fortunate that who I had really listened to me and pointed me in the right direction of that, which I'm going to do a separate podcast on my actual healing journey around vaginismus because the physical healing. the physical healing side of things, if yeah. I try and squeeze it into this episode, yeah. we won't make it through. <laughs> yeah. um, but that... So like, we've been married for five or six years. We can't agree on that point. <laughs> <laughs> We've figured out that it is vaginismus. We're working through a physical healing journey there to overcome that, um, which did work. We've got to a point where we can and do now have penetrative sex. So 
yeah, I think that's a good idea, Lee, to save that for another episode. Yeah. With someone more qualified than me. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, the emotional, I guess, side of things was me learning about sexuality and starting my sexual education as a 28-year-old woman um, and learning about myself and what I am interested in or not interested in. And, and that involved a lot of people in that journey. Um, I lent a lot on Morgan, who is now my mentor and coach, uh, Morgan D. Cecil. If you've, you've been following me for a while, I talk about Morgan a lot. Um, and she really contributed to a lot of my healing journey because I was really struggling in my journey to be a more sexually expressed woman, but having a Christian background, I felt a really conflicted in being on this journey that I was on because everything that I had been told from a Christian perspective was like sexuality was just no. And then I just didn't really know how to connect the dots. And it was such a problem because the process of curing vaginismus was both physical and emotional. And, and we had to work through so much of that stuff. Like how do you, but a big, I think one of the key things that we need to talk about in that is um, the role that pleasure pay, played as well in, yeah. in working through that because that was so opposite to what yeah. our past and our background was telling us. Yeah, so. definitely. I think initially on my vaginismus journey, I was, I was very focused on the physical side, which was, yeah. that was great. And that's, why, that's where I needed to be, yeah. went, you know, like very clinical. That's where I needed to be. At the same time, I would suggest also that I was probably deconstructing my faith a bit as well. I was trying to work out what that looked like to me. And so that was just a very sort of confusing time because I was trying to work out where my headspace was at with that. Um, but I remember knowing that I had still some mental work and emotional work to do around my relationship with the pain that I was experiencing of vaginismus and just the rewiring that I needed to do around sex. So I wanted to see specifically a sexologist, a therapist who um, specialized in helping people who had experienced painful sex. And um, a rep, uh, by that time, I had also shared with my um, sister that I had been experiencing this and she's very much in the medical field and I was able to ask her if she had any contacts uh, for therapists who were specialized in this area and she sent me sort of a list of people and I ended up picking one who is in Sydney and that's Tanya Cohens. Um, I'm, I do have a podcast recording with her which is really awesome and um, I did one session with Tanya and I got the sex education that I needed at 28 years old mm. And she was really, really helpful in what I needed to hear about sex, mm. sexuality, pleasure. And she also knew that I had come from this Christian background. And so I had a bit of a fuzzy relationship with sex, my sexual relationship with myself. And she really challenged me. She said, I think you need to, I think you need to start masturbation. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's because part of the physical process of recovering or healing or whatever was to use um, dilators to they're increasing essentially a dildo that just starts very small in size and gradually increases to stretch and it's and not really stretching. No, it's mainly it's, just to it's just mainly to, to, train, to, yeah. to retrain and get your vagina used to having something entering it. So that is much better. For but, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's where her advice part of but that's where, where her, her advice, advice had come from because she was asking my process with the dilators and she said that sounds really clinical and very impersonal and I was like yeah well it is I guess I just sort of sit there and do this and um, and she 
said, well, maybe you should be doing it while you're aroused because that's going to be a truer representation of, of what your body will be experiencing when you are going to attempt penetrative sex. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I think it was around this point where, like I said before, you know, this was, we were really excited because we'd figured out that it was called vaginismus mm. and we were Googling vaginismus and figuring out all these things like dilators and talking pelvic floor physiotherapists and, and all of this stuff. And, you know, we were all excited because we were on this journey and we thought we were going to solve the problem, right? But it hadn't happened yet. Correct. I think it was at this point that we sort of figured out it's not just a physical thing. Correct. We figured out that the the years of, well, prior to us being married, of growing up in, in, in the church and purity culture, that was part of it. We figured out that the years of being married and not being able to have penetrative sex were part of it because, yes. like, yeah. that was, you know, there was no pleasure, no thought of pleasure, from, especially from your point of view, surrounding um, the thought of penetrative sex. Correct. Which again, showed in how you were training with the dilators. Even for me, there was no real pleasure. Like, yeah. who wants to go to bed and have an intimate moment with mm. someone that they love and cause them pain? Yeah. It was not – it wasn't something – yeah. Which is why I think that the um, that pleasure part that Tanya introduced to what was going on encouraged you to explore that. I think that's why that was so powerful because it sort of allowed – it allowed that to come back in, the pleasure and the enjoyment of it. That's right. And and the, that was probably a really huge point in mm. my um, journey into what I felt I could do as someone who had a faith um, because, I mean, purity culture tells you that anything that you do that's outside of marriage that is real, anything related to sexual activity is just a massive sin and sort of implies that you're going to go to hell and be cursed forever and I mean that's quite exaggerated but it, that's how it makes you feel and um, I remember coming up finishing the uh, appointment with Tanya and that that evening I was like well I remember needing to sort of get some courage to tell Dan because I was like I don't know how he's going to feel about this is he is he going to be okay with the fact that I am doing this because also the purity culture teachings was that if you masturbated within a marriage it's because something lacked it's because there was something wrong. Um, and so there was all this sort of rewiring that had to occur. And I remember just having that conversation with Dan and I was like, so this is what Tanya has said I should do. And Dan's like, okay, sure. Whatever you need to do. And I was like, oh, that was easier than I thought. <laughs> well, it made so much sense to me. Of course. As soon as I heard it, I was like, Duh, yeah. why, do you, why didn't we think of that? Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. And I remember the... And it made a massive difference, didn't it? Like, yeah. Like, think, you know, we've been talking about how we were married for five or six years and, you know, this has been a very long journey. But then, it, except, like, things it really accelerated really quickly. It really accelerated things. And I, I guess also, I just want to touch on um, coming out of the the purity culture, the um, really conservative side of Christianity. And I remember the first time when I did masturbate and I remember afterwards thinking, oh, no lightning strike came <laughs> down from the heavens to smite me. Like what is going on? Like what are these lies that I've been told? And that was like another massive sort of peel back on, on these stories that I'd been told where now I was like, everything is a lie. <laughs> Um, and I, I remember also just that part of my journey being quite pinnacle and me sort of just going, I'm just going to chuck everything out the window. Like just all these thoughts that I had swirling around my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to chuck it all out the window and I'm just going to like start fresh again and see where it takes me. And I think, like you said, this really picked up momentum yeah. after that. And I really started to find a lot of progress and breakthrough in who I was as a woman and how I identified and how I wanted to express myself and who I wanted to be. All of a sudden, I feel like I sort of had all this stuff bubbling up and I was like, there's 
there's a woman inside of me that I do not know how to let out because that's really scary because she went against everything that I'd ever been taught. And that was really scary. And it wasn't scary with you, Dan, like, because you'd already been by my side for this entire journey. You'd been 100% supportive on everything, every random idea that I floated by you, every thought that I sort of floated by you. You were always like, yeah, great idea, or sure, try it, why not? Um, and so the safety of our relationship, was a, it was a really safe space for me to explore who I wanted to be. Uh, but outside of that was really scary mm, yeah. because I knew that there was quite a number of people in our lives that wouldn't like this person that I wanted to be. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I persisted. <laughs> that's probably more the challenge that we're working through now, isn't it? Than like, again, yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't have an answer to any of that. That's... No. <laughs> <laughs> but but, I, but I, I think what, what happened was is, I think, like, I remember even back as a teenager, I remember feeling something inside of me of, of a person that I wanted to be, of ways that I wanted to think, of things that I wanted to do. But they they conflicted with things that, um, like, my parents had taught me or the church had taught me, and I just didn't feel like I had a space, a safe space to try and explore those ideas. And so it just stayed bottled up inside of me until I felt the freedom to just actually sort of go, well, fuck it. Like, I'm going to just go and follow the path that I feel called to take. Um, and so the latter end of 2018 was when all that sort of started unraveling. And it was the beginning of 2019 when Morgan brought her Sophia retreat, uh, her infamous Sophia retreat to Australia. And I remember being at a point where I had explored all these ideas. I had read a number of books. I, oh, I can't even remember, remember how many podcasts I listened to. I, that, around that, that time, I was commuting to work and I'd have an hour to work and an hour back. And I was li probably listening to like two podcasts a day on mm. deconstruction, sexuality, everything I could get my hands on. I was just sort of like flooding my brain with all these ideas and thoughts and concepts. And it was, I remember I was at a place where I was like, how do I now be this person? How do I embrace it? How do I step into this person that I want to embody? And it really happened for me at Morgan's retreat because there's, that was the first time I'd ever engaged in Morgan's services, I guess you would say. I'd followed her a lot on social media, been part of her newsletter, gained and gleaned a lot from that. But actually then like being part of what she taught mm. was a massive step again in my journey because I was then all of a sudden loaded up with all these tools and and you're sitting in a room full of other women that were going through right. not the same journey their own journey but, but even similar like a yeah. lot of us were on similar journeys so then I also didn't feel alone anymore you've um, got some some lifelong friends from that yeah experience. that's right exactly and I just remember I felt like that it was a four or five day retreat and I remember it feeling like a bubble and I remember just being able to let go and just embody this woman that I felt that I wanted to be and I just felt so much freedom that came with that. Like I felt like I came home to myself and I was like, this is how I want to be all the time. And I felt that the retreat really gave me the tools that I needed to be able to step into that confidently. And so that was another huge leap in my journey. And I remember coming home and being like, my life has changed forever. Like it was <laughs> like, but it was, it was, I really yeah. felt that it was life changing for me um, because I was able to like, I guess, try and be this person that I wanted to be in a very non-judgmental safe space. Mm. Um, Morgan has a very beautiful saying that, I do hold on to even to this day and it's that it all belongs and I felt a lot of freedom in that phrase in that I could try and be who I wanted to be and knew that in any way that I tried to 
be what I felt I belonged mm. and it, it would belong and that I could explore ideas and then let them go if I didn't like it. But it, I felt a lot of freedom to just all of a sudden pull in things that I wanted to try, but if I didn't enjoy it, then I could just let it go and move on. I didn't mm. feel that I would have to all of a sudden just like take in everything and own it all. I felt that there was I had a better way of being able to process information and ideas and concepts that I wanted to explore, whether it was around spirituality or sexuality. I felt that I had the freedom to then just be able to go, oh, I'll take that and then decide if I genuinely really wanted it or not and then move through. So that was, um, that was early 2019. Cool. <laughs> and then from there, um, I can't remember. Can you remember if it was prior to that or after that, that we sort of were able to have penetrative sex. Oh, we had... We, it was prior. Sorry, that was prior to that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the end of 2018. Yeah, so... But, yeah. So I had a lot of breakthrough with the vaginismus, and then I had a lot of breakthrough with myself as a person who has a sexuality. And that was something that I was really honing in on. I was learning how to have a sexual relationship with myself, and not in the sense that, like, I was always having sex with myself but like in the sense that I was exploring my sexuality in my ideas and my perceptions I came you know I just um I guess the Christianity that I grew up in was a non-affirming of um LBGTQA plus groups of people or um that was a whole thought process to go through and understand what your opinion and right. perception was of that. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was just this whole new framing of mm. how I perceived things and saw things and what I then affirmed or what I was okay with again now mm. and what I wasn't. And I just, I guess, like, essentially I was always like a feminist growing up, but I didn't know that I was. I think I was probably more of a feminist on the inside, whereas this journey has really helped me to become like a vocal feminist mm. in that I was able to find myself and gratefully I was able to find myself because I was in the safety of a, a relationship with you where you gave me the freedom to do that. Um, and I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I wasn't, in a relationship with you like and I know for some people they might not agree with that or what but that's fine this is my story um well it's I'm not saying irrelevant. I sorry irrelevant well I'm just saying like for me and my journey yeah that that was the way that I was able to find myself and not hmm. feel stifled um and I just got I got to a point and I was like, I have to start talking about this. I got to a point where I was like, I can't not talk about this anymore. I need to be vocal about what's going on in my life, what I've experienced, what I'm now thinking, because I felt that there was people out there that needed to hear it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I started an Instagram, which is now called Conscious Sexuality. And I just started telling my story. I started with the vaginismus. I started sharing. I just, it was just a place for me to share. And I built a community there of others who were able to not feel alone. Um, and I mean, I'm definitely still peeling back layers <laughs> to this day. <laughs> the layers haven't stopped. <laughs> what's one, what's something that, what's a layer that you're working on at the moment? Um, I think something that I'm working on at the moment is just how do I continue to be who I am whilst there are still a large number of people in my life that don't support it. Mm. Um, because as I, move more and more it's into this, one. it becomes more of my life. It's becoming more of my life. It's becoming more of what, and it's 
what I want to be doing 100% of the time. Um, and so it's a tough one to try and work out how do I do that but have people in my life that don't enjoy that part of me. Mm. That's a really hard one, and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, I know I've, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who get kickback, whether it's from people in the church or family or friends or whoever it is. Um, it's always a really hard part of this journey. Mm. But I know it's not me that they actually don't want to be part of. I think sometimes there's sometimes people don't enjoy parts of you because it maybe reflects to them that they haven't changed or they haven't progressed in life. Something they're afraid of. Yeah, something they're afraid of or whatever. So Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's the past. That's the story up mm. to this point. Um, so why don't you tell us a bit about what, I mean, you sort of mentioned it before you said, this is what you want to do with your life. Explain that. What is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, at least what's the version of it that's in your brain now? (laughs) Well, where we are right now, we're in what the latter end of 2020. Yes. And, um, I am in the process of becoming a feminine wholeness certified coach uh, to be able to coach people who wish to find freedom, whether it's predominantly through their sexuality. Um, But the objective is wholeness. Correct. Feminine wholeness. Yeah, correct. And... Um, I do coaching at the moment. Like I do have a couple of clients at the moment who I coach. And so long-term I would love to be coaching full-time. Um, I'm also, well, the last in the last couple of weeks I hosted my very first workshop, which was really exciting. And I've got another one coming up as well uh, on November 14th. And that's going to be my second workshop. And I plan to do more workshops because now that I've done one, I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to do more. It's um, a really beautiful space where um, I facilitate bringing women together. I also run a women's circle once a month with Syndra uh, from Conscious Couples. And we bring women together, uh, people who identify as women. um, We bring them together to be able to chat about the things that they might not necessarily have a space to chat about normally, or they want to meet like-minded people. Um, And I'm just launching this podcast. So I'm launching the podcast because I feel like I have a lot to say and I feel like there are other people that have a lot to say and I want to help spread the message. And just in the same way that I found a lot of freedom through podcasts, I want to be able to facilitate that for other people. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm really sex positive, like pleasure positive, um, feminist positive, like anything female orientated, vulvas, I'm all for it. (laughs) Got a a vulva mug collection growing in our cupboard. I have a vulva mug, I've got a booby mug, I've got a bum mug, um, I've got like two vagina books. <laughs> Look, I'm all all about it. It's my life. <laughs> okay. So that's where I'm at right now and where I want to be and I'm in the process of trying to facilitate that, which is really exciting. Um, and being in the container of um, the space that Morgan has created with the certification program is being a really um, helpful space for me to be in while I continue to take off the layers mm. of my own self and things that I'm learning. Being able to have a safe container to do that is really, really important. And I think that freedom in this area should be accessible to everybody. And so that's why I want 
to do it because I want to, I want, I don't want anyone to ever think that they can't get to where they desire to be. Because deep in our hearts, we always know that there is something that we desire most of all, or there is a person that we desire most to be. And when I stepped into that myself, I, like I said, I felt like I came home and I experienced so much freedom that came with that. Mm. And that's why I'm now here Mm. because I want every single person to experience that. There is no reason why someone shouldn't be able to experience that in their lifetime. Cool. And that's, I mean, from my point of view, um, that's when I think I always, one of the things that I was always attracted to you, to about you. In you? That sounds better. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I was most attracted to in you was, and and it was that um, potential or that um, journey in front of you. I could always tell that there was someone who you hadn't yet become, or that I, I, actually, even more than that, I think it's always someone that you will be becoming. Mm. Um, and it's not just, you're not going to be the same person you are right now sitting here recording this in mm. six months' time, in a year's time, in a week's time. Mm. Like, And um, that's definitely been the case so far, and mm. I'm sure it will always be the case. But I think that's something that I always loved about getting to know you early on too was I could tell that it, you, you weren't going to stay the same person and you weren't going to stay doing the same things and you were always very um, driven to pursue those things even though they were hard. So, And, yeah, I've seen you do it now, so it's tr- it's obviously true. Mm. But, um, yeah. And I think that's what I have really enjoyed in our relationship is that you were always a really confident person. Like when I met you, you were just who you were and you were like, this is me, take it or leave it. You know, like that's who you Mm. were. And so, um, that I feel for myself, that has been a really important part of the journey because who I became never threatened you. Um, I think there, there can be experiences that people have where, they're scared to become this person because they're worried that maybe their existing partner might not like that new part of them or Mm. their partner might feel threatened or something like that. And so personally, I always really loved that you just embraced every aspect of me that came along or was Mm. unlayered, you know. But imagine what would have happened if I hadn't. And I never consciously had this thought, honestly, until we were having this conversation, but... Imagine if you'd come back from Tan- that appointment with Tanya and she and you said, oh, Dan, uh, she thought I should try masturbation. What? No, no, that's not. I'm yeah. the only one that can pleasure you, you know, that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that foreign thought, but like it's, imagine what the I don't know what I, have, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest. I know what would have happened. I, it would have, it wouldn't have sat well with you. And you would have... Eventually, I would have said, fuck you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know you. That, that wouldn't have sat well with you. and may not have happened straight away, but it, over time, it would have eaten away and, and frustrated you and angered you, and rightly so, because it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been the right response. Which, um, uh, interestingly, it aligns with a message that I shared recently, which was, don't wait for a man to activate your life. Mm. And I think male and female relationships are beautiful or whatever kind of relationship you choose to be in. It's beautiful having someone that you love and a can, supportive, a supportive person, encouraging relationship. I think yeah. that's really beautiful. And it's even better when that person embraces the other aspects of you that come out as you develop. Because I mean, I think about who I was when we first got married and I am not that person anymore. You know, there are so many elements to me that have changed and I'm grateful that, yeah, you've embraced them Do you think I've changed? Not that your listeners are probably very interested (laughs) in that question, but... We're going to interview you later, so... Oh, okay. (laughs) We'll do a whole episode with Dan. Oh, I didn't know that. That's going to happen. (laughs) We can talk about that then. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
well, I want to do an episode with you because I think people would be interested to hear more of your aspect as a supportive partner for someone who is on a journey like this. Okay. All right. Well, I'd be interested to hear that too. Well, great. (laughs) Come along then. Um, so I think that's probably a great space to end today's podcast, unless you have any burning questions. No, I think that was, I think that was a good, a good point to move on from time to get the snacks out. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's good. All right. We'll end it there. Thanks for interviewing me, Dan. (laughs) I actually like... This was a lot of fun. So we're going to make you a regular guest on the show. All right. <laughs> He's a very intelligent person, everybody. He's going to have lots of interesting things to say. So Yeah, hear that. <laughs> I'm going to just cut that little snippet out and send it to all my teachers from school. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to throw in that. like, And that's why I want to do a podcast with Dan because through my own growth journey, there's been ways that Dan has been able to grow and develop in his own personality. And I see that now in the way that he interacts in his workspace and and with his friendships and relationships that he has. And I think that's a really interesting area to touch on as well. Mm. Because you you are a very quite masculine person, but I've been on a journey of unlayering and bringing out more of my feminine. And so there's been an overflow of that in you. Definitely, yeah. And it's been really lovely to see your feminine side come out more. We were only talking about that yesterday. Literally. In a specific sense, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's def- I think that would definitely be something to interesting to talk about at, in that episode would mm. be like some of the similarities, yeah. but also I think there's a lot of differences between us. Definitely. Know, as well, and and how that worked and strengthened what we went through and or strengthened us through what we went through. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. So, thanks. The viewers can't see oh. your shackers, Dan. Well, there's no viewers, yeah. There's <laughs> listeners. See <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this latest podcast episode. If you would like to be on the podcast, share an experience, or you want to request a specific topic, you can reach out to me through my website, www.consciousexuality.com.au or via Instagram DM at Conscious Sexuality. If you are interested in working with me at all, you can also reach out to me via the contact form on my website or through a DM on Instagram as well. And if you've got any other questions about anything that I've ever spoken about or a guest that's been on the show, you can reach out to me through those channels as well. I'd love to connect with you. Thank you.